Thanks for joining us at the Liberty City Podcast. Liberty City values each person's unique experience with faith, and we hope that this word impacts you today. Well, hello church. Merry Christmas. Uh, Only five days to go until Christmas, and uh, I'm really pumped to preach to you today a message called The Simple Gift. And if you're taking notes, uh, if you have a Bible, grab it out. Book of Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says this, And he shall bring forth, or she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save the people from their sins. And she shall bring forth the son, the Bible says, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save the people from their sins. Amen. That's some good Bible right there. Father, we ask that you touch us, speak to us, fill us up, God, in this Christmas season, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. I um, look. I'll admit it. I am. I'm an Apple guy. Um, I have Apple devices. I love Apple products. I, I I know this can be a polarizing opinion. I know that you know Apple can be a polarizing product. It's a polarizing company. Um, there are those out there that would consider the brand arrogant. And I can I can see your point. Uh, a waste of money. And I can I can see that. Um, then there are those out there that just prefer inferior products. Um, and I can't understand why you would do that. I just don't get that. Um, there, there are some that just want to have products that are just substandard. But you know, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, but for me, I can't get past the fact that, that Apple products are, in a word, simple. Uh, they are effortlessly so. They are they're intuitive, they're easy, they're, um, they're brilliant. Apple products are magic. Um, there, there's, um, this was made no clearer to me than when I bought my first pair of Apple AirPods. They came wonderfully packaged, as is the usual, well-designed, as is the usual with Apple products. And, and I opened up the, the, the ergonomically designed um, AirPods um, exterior shell, the charging station. Beautiful white elegant is just lovely and uh, I opened up the the charging station and instantly the earpods connected via bluetooth to my cell phone they connected to my laptop instantly they did their job and and I I essentially didn't need to do anything because the intuitive nature of this product from opening the package did everything for me I, I was so genuinely so happy um, I felt um, I felt understood. The whole process was so uncomplicated. It was straightforward. And if Apple have nailed anything, they've nailed that. The intuitive, the easy, the clear. Uh, I want to be a part of a church that is so intuitive like this. I want to be a part of a church that is so clear and so easy that to be a part of that church is so simple and straightforward. When Nadia and I were dreaming about Liberty City, maybe two or three years ago, dreaming it was just a seed in our heart, that the people that is now a community of our church was just an apple in our eye, so to speak. I sat with a friend on the Sunshine Coast in Brisbane, Australia, in Queensland, Australia, and he shared with me a verse that day that would then go on to shape the church that we've built and we're believing to continue to build. And um, it was incredible, the clarity that it brought to my life. And The scripture is this, in the book of Acts, chapter 15 and verse 19, it says, And it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. 
Therefore, it is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Isn't that powerful? That we shouldn't make it difficult for people to come to Jesus. With our speech, we shouldn't make it difficult. With our lifestyle, we shouldn't make it, make it difficult. It should be easy. It should be intuitive. It should be simple. For me, the reason why we should strive for the simplicity um, in our approach to evangelism or our approach to building a church community where people can be a part of it is simple because the message is simple. The simple message of God, the message of Christ, the message of Christmas is conveying this simple message. We had a relationship with God. We were then separated from God and God had a plan to bring us back together with Him. We had a relationship, we were separated and God had a plan to bring us back into relationship with him. His plan is Jesus, the simple gift of Christmas. And I'm believing that in this next few minutes that God will really touch your life with the simplicity of the gift that is Jesus Christ. Don't let the simplicity of Jesus, though, take away from the specialness of Jesus. I'm not sure if that's a word, but if it isn't, we just made one up here today. That the specialness of Jesus is actually wrapped up in the simplicity of Christ. You think about the fact that the book of John 1.14 says this, that the Word became flesh and blood, that the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, condescended and, and became a man, that became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind kind of glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. That's the message translation. If you're taking notes, I've got a couple of very, very simple phrases or simple sentences that I'll use today that you could write down if you feel compelled to. The first thing I'd say is this, is that God has a plan. God's plan. God's plan made famous a couple of years ago by Drake, Canada's very own. But long before Drake uh, announced to us God's plan, God had a plan. The thing about God that we can misunderstand, I think, um, and it's difficult, the mystery of God, it's difficult to wrap our heads around. But God, in a word, is holy. He is perfect. Um, to be holy or perfect is to be hallowed or divine. But, but that's a word that's been misunderstood, misrepresented, um, ill-defined over the years. Because holy, in our context, can mean angry or distant or aloof, away. To be holy is to be over there. We're here, holy's there. I'm not holy, I'm away from holy. Holy's different, holy's angry, holy's disappointed. But holy is not disappointed, holy is not angry. Holy is simply in a word, holy means perfect. That God is perfect. But maybe like the word holy, maybe we, we misuse the word perfect just like we misuse the word holy. We talk about the perfect storm, the perfect day. In New Zealand, the national um, sport is, is uh, rugby. And uh, you know when you talk about something, it's 10 out of 10. It's perfect. It couldn't get any better. Uh, in, in New Zealand, the national sport is rugby. And the position fly half is number 10. And Dan Carter, probably the greatest fly half in rugby history, certainly the greatest of uh, All Blacks history. They call him the perfect 10. The perfect team, the perfect team, the best player in his position, the position 10, occupied by 10 on his back of all time. But he's missed tackles, he's missed kicks, he's missed defensive assignments, he's made mistakes, he's been injured. The perfect team, sure, maybe he's the best in that position, but he's far from perfect. 
The true definition of the word perfect is to be flawless. Um, everyone is searching for flawlessness. Have you noticed that? Like in the last several years, decade or two, Botox has just taken off because people are looking for flawless skin. We search in the ground for the flawless diamond, the precious stones, the, the flawless credit score, the perfect job. We are so dedicated to finding no flaws, no marks, no blemishes, um, a sense that something is not unimpaired. We are so desperately trying to find these things in our, in our youthfulness, in our, in our pursuit for perfection, flawlessness. Someone in our church builds microchips for a living, like layers, like slithers of copper and glass and just like minutia, like fractions of a hair. I remember once a friend of mine was like, yeah, we, we've, we've leased or bought fiber optic cable from one side of the city to the other for high-speed internet to upload our church services live. And it's a tenth of a, a tenth, the, the fiber optic cable is a tenth of a human hair. What? And I remember talking to this guy in our church and he's telling me about it. I'm blown away with what he does and dealing with these components, um, the, these, these tiny microscopic components. Then he would go on to tell me about the gear that he wears, the hazmat suits, the cleanliness, the sterile nature of the rooms that he uses all to create a flawless environment so as to make the perfect microchip that does its job to transmit information from one space to another. We try and create flawlessness, but it's hard. As much as we try, we cannot. God is flawless. God is perfect. God is holy. Our God is good. And this, my friends, is good news. But before we further embrace the good news, we must quickly talk about and embrace the bad news. Because if you're taking notes, we have a problem. We are sinful. Ooh. Sin's like ooh. Sin's like Sins like stuff that you've left in your fridge in the back right and left hand corner for too long. Like sins like dairy products that have gone off. Like ooh, like sin is, is again another word that's been misrepresented. Another word that's got some ill-defined misuse about it. Put it this way. God has a plan and when you step outside of that plan, we are sinful. We sin. We do things that aren't God's intended plan and desire and will for our lives. If sin stands in God's presence, then he is no longer perfect anymore. He's no longer holy. He is no longer flawless. If you think about our friend's room, our friend's workspace, if he works so hard for a flawless and perfect environment and the hazmat suit, and he's got like the whole thing is just so a thousand times cleaner than hospitals, they say, which is so crazy. We've got our, haven't we got our, our, our value systems, you know, really mixed up that when a hospital is less clean than a place that makes microchips. But if you think about my friend for a minute, if he went outside and walked back in, his boss manager saying, well, you've got to clean off, sterilize again, put on a new outfit, because you can't just bring dirt from the outside into this flawless environment, because then it would no longer be a flawless environment. You and me can't stand in God's presence as sinners, because even just being in God's presence would taint his presence. So how can we get to him if we are by nature, if we are simple? We are all sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says, Romans 3.23. All have sinned. Bummer. All is, it's a catch-all phrase. All is you. Bummer. All is me. What next? God is perfect and we are not. We have a problem because we are sinful. The Ten Commandments, 
clearly outlay God's plan. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. All good things. Well, you know, oh, sorry. It's good not to murder, that's what I mean. Then Jesus comes and says, he comes and lifts the bar. He says, look, even if you look at a woman lustfully, in your heart you've committed adultery. Even if you hate in your heart, you've committed murder. So it's like, wow. Like, okay, Jesus, this was already tough. Now you are lifting the level even higher. He's, he's basically saying, like, it's, it's impossible to live a life sin-free. It's impossible to live a life. We fall short of the mark, the Bible says. That means that we're in deep yoga, right? Because it's like you and I, like, who's ever, who's ever like, like, gone too fast in the car? Been speeding. Speeding, yep, speed, yep, done it. And if you haven't raised your hand just now, you're a liar. So, you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 we're between a rock and a hard place. God is perfect. We have a problem. We are sinful. And if you're taking notes, we need help. We need help. Have you ever needed help? You know, stuck on the side of the road, car won't start, uh, need some renovations around the house, just need someone to just come and just give you a hand, moving a grand piano. Just, we, we need help. I've never been super handy around the house. I can, I can kick it. I can, do, I can do some renovations every night. Well, yeah, we'll paint that. Oh, yeah, whatever. But, you know, not super handy. But if you think you're handy around the house, then the real help comes. Okay, so Nadia's dad, his name is Brent. Brent Russell is a qualified electrician, builder, engineer, and teacher. He is the most handy of handymen. He, he, he's the kind of guy who's so handy, he helps the handymen be handy. This guy is the help that we need. This guy, like he would walk in and, and I'd be trying to like fix something or you know, whatever. And he's like, hey, so I noticed that you're trying to fix that thing. So maybe I could do it. You know, would you like me to step in and give you a hand with that? Like when he turns up, the, the level of handymanship in the house goes through the roof. But you see, we don't just need help because God is perfect. We are not. We need help. But I, but I suppose if I could rephrase that, I would say this. We need more than just help. We need a Savior. And that's what Jesus does. God has a solution for our problem, for our need, for our sin. And His solution is a Savior. His solution is His Son. And His name is Jesus. A Savior does more than just help. He saves. A Savior does more than just offer a helping hand. He saves our lives. He offers something that no one else can. A Savior offers something that no one is able to offer you and I, and that is simply this, right standing with God. The thing about Jesus is that He offers us freedom and forgiveness from sin, and God now sees us through what Jesus has done for us. It's the classic case of not what you know, but who you know. Have you ever been in a scenario where it's not what you've known, but who you've known that's got you through the door? Oh, I'll never forget walking down my street um, in, in my mid-twenties, and I saw an, uh, an MP, a member of parliament, a politician walking through the streets, like dignitary-like. I think she became the Minister of Education. And I was like, hey, wow, this is great. And then she looks at me, and she recognized me. And I didn't recognize her, but she rec well, I recognized her, not personally, but because she's, you know, but she was a famous person. And she says, aren't you Wendy's son? My mum, her name is Wendy. Aren't you Wendy's son? And I was like, yeah, 100% I'm Wendy's son. And she says, yeah, I've heard all about you. We start talking. I was on the coattails of my mum's relationship with this woman. Aren't you Wendy's son? Aren't you Jesus' son? Aren't you God's daughter? Aren't you, don't we recognize you now and me now as sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus has done? He has 
reconciled us. Have you ever been reconciled to someone? Have you ever been distant? And through an honest conversation, through a prayer, through a moment of reconciliation, you came back together? Whether it be with a sibling, a friend, a paternal, maternal figure, parents, a coach, a teacher, where you were reconciled through separation. That's a beautiful thing. And we get to be reconciled not because of what we know, but because of who we know. There are people, millions of people probably, who know more about Jesus than me. But it doesn't really matter how much they know or how much I know about him. What, what truly matters is that I genuinely just know him. I can know lots of information about Nadia. And that's sort of helpful, sure, to know information about my wife. I understand that. It would help me love her better and serve her better. I understand that. But I could know about her or I could get to know her intimately and get to know her personally. And that's significantly better than knowing that Nadia loves to paint. Where are the paintings though? Show me. Nadia loves to cook. Where's the food at? Let me sit and have a conversation and let me enjoy relationship. Very much like that with Jesus. We can learn about the history of Jesus, about what we said, about what he said. And we, could, we could read about what he did or we could get to know him personally. It's not what you know, it's who you know that counts. If you're taking notes, Jesus is God's great gift for us. He is the special gift of Christmas. And what a gift he is. The gift that wipes clean. It's amazing to think that Jesus came as a baby. I mean, honestly, right now, if you and I, we were going to have like a brainstorming session about what kind of king, what kind of savior we would send to the earth. You and me, we're talking about it. Let's just, let's say the whole, we could do, we could have a do-over. Okay, all right, let's talk it through. I'll be like, man, okay, top of the list has got to be the Thor, like Thor Ragnarok Thor. No, Thor, Thor Infinity War. Infinity, is that Endgame Infinity War? Yeah, Thor Infinity War. No, it's not. Anyway, whatever, the second to last one. The, you know, the, 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 the one where he turns up, Stormbreaker, you know, like, you know, almost severs off Thanos' head. Like, now you're like, nah, Superman. Yeah, sure, take him, Superman, great. What about a politician, great leader? You know, it's an athlete, I don't know, Michael Phelps, Michael Jordan, who knows? We, we, we could talk it through. We start putting the, the Incredible Hulk. We start putting names up. And, and then at the end of it, we go, ah, you know what? You know, maybe I suggest to you, like, oh, what about a baby? You're like, this is the worst idea ever. Why would you send a baby? Baby can't do anything. Baby can't achieve anything. How can a baby lead a revolution? How can a baby be a political leader, leader of people? How can a baby do anything? Well, truly, genuinely, the baby can't. Isn't that such an amazing picture of the gift that God gave? So humble, so small, so helpless, so human. For us to understand that Jesus became just like us. He became fully man whilst fully God. Two natures in one person, so that we could look him and look at him and see that he lived a life just like you and I are living this life right now. What a special gift. A gift that wipes clean. The gift of Jesus that gives us a fresh start. The gift of Christ that's available to everybody. Imagine having a gift like that but not opening it. The gift of Jesus, though, is an active gift that pursues us and chases us down. The gift of Jesus makes us clean. We don't need to get clean to get Jesus. You just need to open up your heart and accept him in your life. Isn't that the most beautiful thing about our relationship with Christ? A lot of people try and get clean 
to get God. Well, not the way it works. You don't get clean to have a shower. You don't get clean to take a bath. You have a shower because you're dirty. You have Jesus because you need him. The Bible says, Jesus said, he says, I've not come for the, for the well. I've come for the sick. I've come for people that need me, that are away from me. Sinners, people who are distant from God. A holy God chased down unholy people. He came to seek and save that which was lost, the Bible says. God's love bridges the gap of separation between God and you. And Jesus died on the cross. And when he did so, he rose again from the grave and paid the penalty of our sins. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 that he personally carried the load of our sins in his body when he died on the cross. He personally carried the load of our sins. Uh, right next to me in the office um, is a beam um, that we installed when we did some renovations. And uh, we installed this beam, heavy beam, heavy, 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 like four, actually four distinct beams bolted together, heavy. And it was me, Zeke, Mike, and Pat. And I'm like the weakest of the four, but Zeke is the biggest of the four, especially in terms of the shoulders that we needed, you know, this man deadlifts. Shoulders that we needed to lift this beam. And just before we went to lift it, Zeke had given us all these warnings. Like, oh, I've got to go. I've got something on tonight. Hey, I've got to shoot off soon, boys. I've got to head off, boys. Sorry, boys. I've got to head off in a minute. And then right when we went to lift it up and install it, he's like, I actually have to go. I'm late. And we're like, bro, like, nah, don't. Like, really? He's like, no, I actually have to go. So I'm like, all right, see you later. And thanks for nothing. So then Mike, myself, and Pat, deceptively strong, is, is both Pat and Mike. These boys are animals. We lift this beam up. And Mike is like so frustrated it can't quite fit. Takes the full brunt of the beam on his shoulders. He's on a ladder. I'm thinking like, if this falls, I'm going to die. I'm about to get squashed and broken in half. Boom, installs it and then, you know, install it, do whatever we, we, we did to like actually get it in place. The load this man took, like there's like hundreds of pounds. Me and Pat are just at the other end like, bro, yes, go beast mode. The Bible says that Jesus personally carried the load of our sins. I'm not talking about a couple of hundred pounds of a wooden beam. That's what he carried physically. But the load of your sin, all of your sin and all of your life, and every person who's ever lived their whole lives, everything we've done outside of God's will, everything that we've done that's been lustful or prideful or selfish, Jesus carried that on the cross. And our response, God had a plan. He is holy. We are sinful. He sends Jesus, our response is then to receive Christ. That's how we activate relationship with God. We receive Jesus in our life. The cross is the bridge into God's family. It's, it's the way into God's family that we receive Jesus via personal invitation. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I love it. You know when you have like roadside rescue? What is it? C C A A? A C C. C C A. I think it's double A C. A C whatever it is. Roadside rescue, but you call them. Sometimes it's like, yeah, just hang on, hold a minute. Yeah, we'll see if there's someone in, you know, your area. It might be an hour and a half. And you're like, oh, and then when they arrive, you're like so thankful, you know. But here's the thing. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Like in that moment, that transaction that takes place saved, forgiven, access to God. 
Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. There's no caveat there. Mm, you know, if you're above six foot, I'm not sure you're available. You know, if you're like this there, if you're like this weight, if you're this from this part of the world, mm, you know, only accepting people from Toronto at this point. No, 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 no. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. But as many as received him, the Bible says, John 1, 12, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. He, he came to reconcile us, to bring us into his family, to restore us, bring us hope to adopt us. This is the true wonder of the simple gift of Jesus. Colossians 2.14 says he canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. The message says this, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Can, can I read that to you one more time? The, in the message, this is Colossians 2.14. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and he marched them naked through the streets. Okay, Steph Curry is like everyone's favorite player. Everyone loves play. Everyone loves, I love Kyle Lowry. I love Pascal Siakam. Someone loves Kyrie Irving. I love KD. This guy loves LeBron James, whatever. Everybody loves Steph Curry. There's nothing about Steph not to like. He might be targeted on defense every now and then, sure. But he, he, he's just the most likable, lovable basketball player probably ever. No matter which team you're from, your favorite player is Steph Curry. Look at me. He's just brilliant. He's so cool. He's so great. He does this thing. What's called, it's called the look-away three-pointer. So he gets the ball, and he's dribbling up the court, or he's like running off screens, gets the ball, bang, and shoots it. So normally this is what happens. Okay, you shoot the ball, or form. You shoot the ball, and then you wait to see if the ball's going to go in the hoop, and when the ball goes in the hoop, you then get back on defense. Or if the ball misses, and then they get a defensive rebound, you get back on defense. Or if, they, if the ball misses and you get offensive rebound, you're waiting for it back and you shoot it again. Or you shoot the ball and then you follow it to get your own rebound. And there's some fundamentals. Steph Curry doesn't do that. He does this thing called the look-away three-pointer, where he shoots it, and while the ball is in mid-air, sometimes hasn't even hit the apex of its, of its parabola on the way to the hoop, he looks away at the, he looks at like the, um, the, the opposition bench. So you shoot it, and look away and turn his back to the hoop and start running back on defense, assuming it will go in. He's done this countless times. I mean, it's the most brilliant, amazing, like arrogant, like it's just the best thing. One of the best things I've ever seen on a basketball court. It's just like, boom, he just knows. And, like, and, the, and the opposition bench, deflated. Showboating is what it is. This is what Jesus did. He, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants, the Bible says, of their sham authority. And he marched them naked through the streets by nailing it to the cross. That he took everything that would hold you back from relationship with God, your list of sin, which is like a receipt from Walmart or Costco. It is massive, my friends. Regardless of whether you think it's small or it's actually big, it doesn't actually matter. There's sin on your sin receipt. And he took it and nailed it to the cross and marched it through the streets, as if to say, they're mine now. I've canceled the record of their wrongs. Think of it, all sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross, the Bible says in Colossians. He loves you. The greatest miracle is that Jesus took our place. 
He endured our pain. He did it all for us. Isaiah 9, 6, and the government will be on his shoulders that he might come freed. He bore the burden of your sin and my sin on the cross. James, uh, the Bible says in James 4, 8 in the NLT, come close to God and he will come close to you. That scripture for me is so meaningful in my devotional life, my prayer life, when I feel away from God, when I feel like I can't find him, I, I, I hold on to that promise. As I come, as I draw near, he will draw near. As I come close, he will come close. If I feel far away, if I move away, the Bible doesn't promise that he will come necessarily if I move away. But if I come close, he will draw near. Hold that promise in your life. Apple have nailed the uncomplicated nature, the straightforward, intuitive, easy and clear nature of their message, of their product. I want to be a part of a church that's as straightforward and simple and easy and clear as that. I want to be a part of a church that believes that scripture, Acts 16, 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That for you and I, we understand that God had a plan. That we are sinful. That he sent his son. That as we receive Christ, our whole lives are turned around. That we had a relationship. That there was a breakdown. But he brought us back together. How? By the simple gift of Jesus at Christmas time. That that is Christ's message for our city, for our world, that we need Jesus. And friends, we have him. So friend, if you're here today and you're saying, I don't know Jesus, I'm distant from him, I'm away from him, I'm not walking with him, then I would love to, love to, love to, love to pray with you and give you a chance to get right with Christ, to get right with God, to say, I need you, I'm away from you. We use this word called repentance. To repent is just to say, I'm wrong. I repent to my wife all the time, babe, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Repent to my kids, that was my fault. We repent to God, say, I've been outside of what you would have me do with my life. I'm away from you. Let me come back. And so, friend, if that's you, let me pray this very simple prayer. I'll say one line and you repeat it back. Pray this prayer from your heart and then I'll hand back to our hosts. The prayer goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and I thank you that you do I thank you Jesus I thank you Jesus Amen. we are so glad you joined us at Liberty City Podcast please come check us out on social media and find an event to connect with us 